Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio, another true story from True Story FM. I'm your host, Megan Strand with Engage for Good. You can find full show notes and additional resources for today's episode at engageforgood.com. Welcome back to Cause Talk Radio. I'm Megan Strand with Engage for Good. In this episode of Cause Talk Radio, I'm joined by Wander's fearless leader, Aaron Weber, to talk about best practices for social impact video. Wander has produced Engage for Good's Halo Awards conference videos for going on four years now and has done a tremendous job in helping us tell the stories of these award-winning social impact efforts. In this episode, Aaron talks through the ingredients of good video, how to gauge whether a video is successful tips for getting the most bang for your video buck, achieving economies of scale for your videos, and so much more. So tune in to get a quick education about leveraging video for social impact. Aaron Weber, welcome to Cause Talk Radio. So awesome to have you here, my friend. Thank you. A pleasure to be here. Why don't you kick us off? Because it's hard to believe, but not everybody knows what Wander is and what you do and who you are. So could you just give us a quick intro about that? That is hard to believe. Uh, I know, yeah, it's hard. Uh, my name is Aaron Weber. I am the founder and fearless leader of Wander. And Wander is a boutique creative collective based in Los Angeles that creates short form film and video content for the world's do-gooders. We should say that the reason that you and I know, well, actually, I don't even know how we met, but what we do together all the time now is so awesome because Wander produces our Halo Awards video production, which was awesome when we were in person. It's even more awesome now because we are virtual last year and this year. So um, if the name Wander sounds familiar and you don't know why, that could be a reason. But how do you remember how we met? I honestly don't. Which is yes, terrible. I do. Actually, I had reached out to uh, see about becoming a member uh, and you had reached back out to me to see about getting involved. Oh, lovely. Look at that. See, yep. see how smart I was way back then <laughs> to connect with you. That's awesome. Well, we're here today to talk about social impact video, and it's not something we deal with uh, regularly. So I think this is going to be a real treat for our listeners. Um, you're obviously a pro at developing Primarily videos for nonprofit organizations, right? But also social impact videos. So could you just give us an overview? What do you think the benefits are that we gain by using video in our nonprofit partnerships or social impact space? Yeah, for sure. So right off the bat, it's, it's reaching a larger audience than you're going to reach through other, other methods. Um, you know, we, we live in a world where people are consuming short form content all the time. They're carrying a phone in their pocket. They have tons of streaming services that they're subscribing to, and they're just uh, very used to to digesting film and video content. So in order to be a part of that conversation, you need to be creating film and video content for your organization as well. It's it's the way that people are are kind of uh, learning new things and, and digesting new information. And yeah. let me just add that, that mobile yeah. is by far the largest platform there. So as you're thinking about creating video content, you need to be thinking about it for a mobile world. Mm, interesting. We could talk about that a little bit more too. And I I should also say for people who are not watching the live stream, Aaron is like in the forest. He looks like a forest gnome right now. Like he's, <laughs> he literally looks like he's sitting in a treehouse. So for those of you who are not watching the live stream, you're missing out. But anyway, um, talk a little bit about, so I feel like video is a subjective thing. Like, oh my gosh, that was such an amazing video. Like that is my litmus test of like, man, eh, it's okay. Or, oh my gosh, it's so amazing. But I suspect that there's probably a little bit of um, 
uh, strategy behind <laughs> making a great video. So in your, uh, I guess in your opinion, in your experience, what makes a video more successful, one video more successful than another? Are there strategies, best practices there that you kind of make sure you have in every single one of your videos? Sure. That's, that's a great question. Um, let me say there's kind of two parts of this. I mean, first of all, there's just personally what you may like or not like, and that is True. totally subjective and really separate from a video's success. Uh, but the actual metrics that tag along with videos that are posted online it's not subjective at all. And you can actually look at data to determine if a video has been successful or not. So there's a few different things to look at there. I, I think if you're the one creating the video internally, you should have had objectives that this video is hoping to achieve. And you can look and say, did we meet those objectives? And that becomes your barometer of success. Uh, externally, if you're trying to look at somebody else's video and say, was this a successful video? Uh, you know, I think the things you're gonna turn to are view count, and engagement, you're going to see, are people liking it? Are people commenting on it? Are they sharing it? Which is probably one of the best things that could be done to get it out to an even larger audience. Uh, is there press that's out there about it? Uh, you know, those are all hard data that you can use to determine if a video has been successful. When it comes to, it seems to me that the videos that I've seen that are most successful, it feels like emotion plays a big part there. You know, like, I guess I'm a sucker for the ones that make me cry. But literally, my daughter, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. My daughter um, caught me the other day. She was like, are you crying? I'm like maybe she's like why are you crying what's wrong i was like well i just saw this really sad trailer for this movie <laughs> she was like okay mom like she was concerned about me for a second but then not so i mean does it, how does emotion factor in is that something that you try to have in videos i mean you're talking about objectives and clearly not every video is supposed to make megan cry but how does emotion factor in yeah, emotion is huge. And I think if you can tap into somebody's emotion, whether you're making them cry or even more challenging, making them laugh, laugh you're really yeah. going to resonate. Laugh is harder. You know, cry, cry totally. is easier. Some some sad music <laughs> and some sad imagery and you're crying. But to make everybody laugh, that that's a real challenge. But either of those approaches are going to make a video resonate much, much further. Anytime you're you're tapping into an emotion, it's uh, it's going to be more effective and certainly something that we're trying to do. So just wait for the Halo Awards video this year, you guys. It's going to be hilarious. <laughs> Aaron and I are both laughing because we know that we uh, haven't quite gotten there yet. So uh, there's going to be some emotion. We're not sure what it's going to be. Um, okay, so let's talk about something like really logistical and tangible. Um, we're all budget conscious, probably listening to this podcast, whether we work for a nonprofit or a small organization or a small team in a social impact organization. Um Talk about your tips for getting the biggest bang for your buck out of a video because, well, we're going to talk about some logistics later, but how can you stretch that piece of content to make it really work for you? Yeah, the thing that I like to suggest the most is an economy of scale. Uh, you mm. know, if you're gathering a whole bunch of people together to film something, it makes more sense to film a bunch of things at that same time than just film mm. one thing. And I think there's a lot of different approaches to that. So let's say you want to create a, a 90 second hero video for your organization, like a brand piece. And that that's your goal there. If you're only walking away with a single 90 second video, I don't think you've gotten as much as you can out of that production. And at the bare minimum, you should be getting cut downs, 15 and 30 second uh, teasers and snippets of that longer piece that you can start mm. putting out onto social media. And uh, on a, a even more ideal version of that would be that you've actually thought about different creative offshoots of primary idea. And maybe instead of having one shoot day where you're getting 
a 90 second film out of it. You have two shoot days and you end up with, you know, five or six or seven minutes of usable content. Uh, so you're not spending a ton more money, but you're getting a lot more that you can you know, take home with you and, and share. And, you know, a lot of times there's, there's cost concerns there. You know, we only have a budget for a single 90 second video. Uh, and I'd say even in those instances, it's important to, to film more upfront and maybe you're filing that away in six months or a year down the road, you pull that additional mm. footage out and you decide now we have the budget to start editing this. You don't have to first start, you know, re-engaging with a new company, restarting up the wheels of production. I love that. And then do you have any tips for once you have a video? Like, let's say you walk away with, I don't know, five pieces of content or two pieces of content. Like you were just, you were saying some things that made me think like, oh, that's a good way to repurpose it. What are your best tips for kind of, um, like I said, kind of stretching that, let's just say you have one piece of content. What's, what are your best tips for kind of stretching that? Sure. So let's say you you only have that one ninety second piece. So cut downs are really simple. They're coming exclusively from the content that exists in that piece. So there's nothing else that needs to be filmed or created. Um, you know, you could use elements like graphics or voiceover to supplement that shorter piece. Um, but that's what you're doing. You're you're teasing that material out on social media across all of your different channels and using those as a way to to build excitement and energy towards that larger piece. You shouldn't kind of lead with that. I wouldn't just release that into the wild and, and hope that it goes well. And, you know, films going viral or campaigns kind of gaining traction are usually never by chance. I, I think that's a real misconception. Like a, a good film is going to go viral and a bad film is not going to go viral. It's, it's never that simple. And there's really a lot that's happening behind the scenes in terms of promotion and distribution to encourage films to go viral, regardless of how good or bad the creative is. Well, let's talk a little bit about social media since you just mentioned it. What have you seen work well in that medium? Like what would be an objective that you might have in terms of pushing a video out on social media and how can you capitalize on that particular channel? Yeah, so let me start by just talking about two major challenges that you have when posting content on social media. I think one is that people are super distracted. You're rarely the sole thing that they're looking at. You know, people yep. often will be on social media while the TV is going in the background or while they're yep. on a conference call or, you know, any number of other things. So first of all, you're not getting uh, their exclusive attention. And the other issue because of that is more often than not, people are viewing content without the sound on. So you really need mm. to think about both of those factors when creating content specifically for social media. You need to grab their attention really quickly and early so that they stop focusing on the other screens that are there and focus on the one that, that you're on. And then you need to be able to do that silently. So it's great if you have a great soundtrack and great audio, but you should be able to grab their attention without any of those those elements. Oh my gosh, I didn't even think about that. So... Are you talking about, is that a situation where like closed captions would help you? Or are you really just talking about the content and the fact that it has to stand on its own without an audio track beneath it? Yeah, it's both. Um, you know, for those people that do click the little mute button and turn the sound on, you want to have the audio track that's there for them. Audio right. is a great way to support picture. Uh, I think for the people that have the sound off, closed captions are, are certainly part of it. But I think it's more being visually stimulating and uh, doing something either editorially or creatively that, that grabs their attention and makes them say, this is the thing of all the other things that I'm looking at. This, this is the thing I want to focus on right now. Um, okay, well, not everyone has a giant budget for uh, video production. So can you talk through, and of course, the answer to this should be like, yes, you should use Wander. But um, <laughs> when does it make sense 
to do something in-house or to do something kind of, uh, I don't know, some images with music underneath and some words versus, you know, hiring a vendor like Wonder. Can you kind of give me some pro-cons there and um, what people should be thinking about in that equation? Yeah, definitely. And uh, I, you hit the nail on the head that people should always be hiring Wander. Uh, That's you know, right, of course. With well, a large, obviously. A large variety of budgets <laughs> and, and creative ideas. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think there is a place for organizations to be creating their own content. But it's important to recognize, I think, what that type of content is. And mm-hmm. instead of trying to uh, take on the role of being uh, a Hollywood filmmaker with your iPhone, I think you should focus on <laughs> content that's more achievable. And what does that look like? That could look like um, members or volunteers self-recording, uh, you know, something about a certain aspect of your organization. Uh, or maybe it's having an employee doing a weekly stream where they're, uh, you know, talking for an hour once a week, uh, having conversations much like we are now. Podcasts right. are another great way to, to do stuff internally. Uh, but when you want to have a, a larger production, when you want to have filmmakers there, there's maybe a, a larger creative concept, more creative pieces. That's where a company like Wander would come in. So I think there's a real differentiation there. It's um, if you're thinking uh, something that's resembling um, a, a feature film, you're going to want to bring in a vendor. And if you're thinking something that feels appropriate to shoot on your phone or on your computer, I think those are the opportunities where um, where organizations can take advantage of, of the technology that we all have and be putting content out there. So you you raised something that I think is really interesting and it's a huge trend or and it has been for a handful of years and that's doing user generated content. Um and I think, you know, there are a thousand different ways you can use that, but have you ever integrated user generated content into a production that you're doing or a piece for a nonprofit organization you're working with? Yeah, um especially now during a pandemic we find oh ourselves more Oh my gosh, yeah, that's probably all you're doing. <laughs> absolutely. It's uh it's integrating all of these different pieces from, you know, Zoom conversations to stock footage to material yeah. we shot pre-pandemic and are, you know, recycling to use in new and creative ways. So, uh yeah, I, I think uh that user-created content can exist independently and it also can exist in conjunction with a, a larger and more creative campaign. Yeah, that's fascinating. I didn't even think about that. And yeah, to your point, we've seen a lot of um, it's interesting to me, you know, like when Jimmy Kimmel started doing his stuff from at home, I was like, God, his setup is terrible. I have a better mic than he does. You know, <laughs> like it's interesting to when you get people out of the big production studios, what they have at home is uh, typically subpar. So that's probably been really fun for you to watch as a video production company to be like, oh, I could really help them with that. <laughs> it's been really interesting. You know, I spend a lot of time these days art directing people's shots on their laptop. You know, the, the standard person comes in. Is that as terrible as it sounds? That sounds terrible. It's all pretty standard. You know, you'd be surprised. Most people have their their camera just below them shooting up. You're oh, I wouldn't some, be surprised at all. Ceiling. I see that every day. Yeah. So yeah, it's a lot of just raising up your computer, <laughs> having some a light, light in there. Yep. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, climbing up into a, a tree with the birds, like Aaron is, and just like right camoing. It's like that's a, it. it's a special kind of look Aaron's got going on today. <laughs> okay, well, so I got very fortunate uh, when you reached out that I got lucky, and I didn't really know what I was looking for in a video production company, but in an ideal world, you would have some kind of litmus test for what your 
looking for in a, in a video production company. So what questions do you think people should be asking if they do decide to shop around for a vendor? Because not everyone has a video production background. And so, you know, what I'm going to ask is going to be real different from like what you were going to ask if you were shopping for a company. So what are the top questions people should be asking? Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it um, because not every company is the right fit for every client. And I, I think yep. through a series of questions that you can ask yourself and ask potential vendors, you can find that right fit. Um, so first, I think you need to do some research on your own, find projects that you really like, and then see who mm. made them. That'll give you kind of a starting point of potential companies to reach out to. I say you want to reach out to at least three companies. I mean, do your due diligence here and kind of compare and contrast each of them. And then I think there is some really clear criteria that you can use to, to identify the company that's the right fit for you. First is what is their creative process? You know, every company is going to be very different about what that looks like. Uh, if you're the type of organization that wants to be very collaborative in that creative process, is that something that they're open to? Or do they want to just be hired and deliver an end product to you? Um, drafts is another great one. How many rounds of revisions are you going to be getting both on the creative concepting? And then when you uh, get into the editorial process, how many rounds of edits are you going to be getting? Uh, you know, that's a a place where you can get really surprised on the budget. You know, maybe you thought yeah. you're all set, you've hired a company. They've done one round, you have a lot of changes and they start coming back with additional costs for those additional rounds. Um, budget, that's a great one as well. And I think it's really important to know up front, is that budget all inclusive or are you going to find yourself getting a lot of add-ons and additional expenses as that project's happening? And I think the last one is the timeline. You should have a handle ahead of time on when you'd like to have this end product in hand and is the company going to be able to work with you on that timeline? Is that within their standard timeline? Are you looking for them to to rush to meet your delivery dates? Um, and I think with using those four criteria, um, creative process, drafts, timeline, budget, I think you should be able to, to find the right yeah. fit for you. Those are good questions. Uh, the other thing I was thinking, just from a communications standpoint, what ideally should uh, we as the client come to you, the vendor with, before we shop around for a video? Like, I think it's one thing to be like, we want a video. We want a 90 second video. Like, but if you're like, okay, we have this need, we have this call to action, it's really specific. We know exactly who we're going to feature in this thing and how we're going to use this video. Like, what, how much of that needs to be baked before we come to you guys? Yeah, I think that varies a lot, but I, I can say I really appreciate having a prepared client approach me. Uh, it just is a great way to start a conversation. And I find it more often than not leads to a successful collaboration. Um, before I get into what you should kind of have ready as you go out to these vendors, I just want to add one more thing to your last question. So yeah. you mentioned, uh, you know, what we should be looking to ask these vendors. And I, I think I also would like to add one thing that you should be avoiding when reaching out to potential <laughs> video vendors. Please. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, every once in a while, you'll have people shopping around and they actually are looking for creative concepts. And I think it's just a lack of understanding. But let's say they reach out to three vendors with uh, a general idea of what they're looking for, and then ask those vendors to essentially pitch on spec, and then base their hiring decision on which creative concept they think is the one that's the best fit for them. And, you know, creativity is something that you should pay for. And it's something that yeah. comes after you hire a vendor. Uh, yeah. So I, I think as you're shopping, it's, it's unrealistic to expect the vendor to be providing really any level of, of creativity, you should be able to tell based on their portfolio and the conversations you're having with them, if they're going to be the right fit and not actually need them to write out a treatment for your specific project before you can make that hiring decision. 
Yeah, I mean, that seems like an obvious one to me, but I'm glad that you said that because you probably get that a lot. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and yeah, it's never with ill intent, but it, it is uh, no, frustrating. No, 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 no. It's, it's, more, it's more ignorance, I think, but it's also like if you think through that for five seconds, you're asking people to, um, you know, produce creative work for you, especially on like a contract basis. Like it's not, yeah. Exactly. Thank you for saying that. For okay, sure. So now to your, what else, your next What question. else do we need to know? Yes. Yeah, what should so we I, have I think, baked? Uh, these thoughts are going to align really closely with the previous question. So first is you should know what your budget is. Um, you know, mm. it's, it's interesting because I have many times when I'm approached and a client thinks they're doing themselves or a prospective client uh, a favor by not, um, not providing the budget that they have in mind. Um, and I, I think that's a hindrance more than a help because as we're thinking about projects, it's helpful to know what scale to think about them on. And the clients may be thinking, well, if I don't tell them the budget, perhaps they'll come in under budget. That, that's really yeah. going to happen. And I think disclosing what you have available up front is really the most helpful way to, um, to approach that. Timeline, you should have an understanding and, and kind of working backwards. You know, if you have a distribution plan that you're working on or an event that's coming up, work backwards from there and determine when you need to have your video in hand. Um, and Wait, I what's would, a reasonable timeline? Sorry to jump in. Yeah, no, that, that's, that's great. So I guess it depends us, on the size of the project, but. Absolutely. I find eight to 12 weeks is probably a good, really, really general estimate. And um, okay. we've had clients that needed rushes and we can do faster and obviously bigger campaigns take longer, but I think that's a good two to three months, kind of good, really general sense. Um, and then goals for your campaign. What are you hoping to achieve from either a single, a single video or a larger campaign? And these are all great things to kind of disclose as you're shopping around. And then lastly, if you have any creative thoughts or uh, films that you like that you can share as references, I, I find mm. that to be incredibly helpful as well. And it gives me a really good sense of what the mindset is of this prospective client and uh, you know what, what their aesthetic is and what they're responding to kind of gives us a head start as we're pitching material. Have you ever had somebody approach you for your project and you were like, mm, yeah, we're not your guys for this? Like, do you do you have certain things that you're I mean, outside of probably the obvious, we don't need to state those. But um, <laughs> um, are there certain types of things that you're like, yeah, we don't do that particularly well or at all. So I'm going to bump you to somebody else. Yeah, there's really two different reasons in the past that I've I've turned down projects. One is if a client wants us to more or less create a project that we've already created before. So if they see something, they love it, and they're like, that would be perfect for our, our organization. Uh, and they're like, we want that for us. Not really looking to make the same thing again. Mm -hmm. uh, and then the other is really if they're not, if they're not do-gooders, you know, we really are pretty, pretty tight mm -hmm. on that. And we want them to be contributing positively to the world. And we can be broad yeah. in what that actually means. It doesn't necessarily have to be 501c3 nonprofit organizations, but right. they should be having a positive impact some some form or another. I love that. I didn't know that about you, that you'll kind of turn down other business. I love that. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. I have some other folks I'm happy to, to refer people to and they do the same for me. And yeah, absolutely. I think uh, it, it's good to to focus and be specific in your work. Yeah, I love that. Well, and this is uh, certainly crowd to spread that word out to. So anything else you would like to share with our listeners today, Aaron? No, this was great. I really appreciate the opportunity to, to come here and chat with you. Amazing. Well, you can see uh, Aaron's and Wander's work at this year's Engage for Good conference during the Halo Awards. So make sure you check that out. But Aaron, where can people find you and Wander online if they'd like to do that? 
Yeah, the website is wanderfilms.com. And if people want to get in touch with me, I'm just Aaron, A-A-R-O-N at wanderfilms.com. Awesome. Well, we'll put that in the show notes, which you can find at engageforgood.com. Thanks so much for being here today, Aaron. It was such a pleasure chatting with you and uh, look forward to continuing the conversation. Thanks so much for having me. 